This. This is, this is diversified, diversified, diversified game, game, game. game. A podcast giving entrepreneurial advice from a diverse and inclusive perspective with Kelly. He may agree, he may oppose, and it's more than just race, it's about, you know, ideas. So, let the game begin. It's Kellen, and today on Diversified Game, I have Dale Restagini. I personally think he has made the movie, if not of the year when it releases, it might be the movie of the decade. Um, his latest movie, Cracker, that you can see on IMBD. I mean, it's like the man in the high castle, Dale. Welcome to the show. I think you, besides the hate mail, they're going to have to give you an award at some time. And I've only seen the trailer, but right. can you run us through what made you create this film and why now? Sure. Um, that's kind of a big, open, lifelong answer. So I'll kind of give it the short version. Um, having been involved with um, a lot of black women in my life and having been locked up a couple of times in my life and being involved in hip hop, videos and music for a lot of my life i've been mostly around a lot of black and brown people so um as a white person um i've got a lot more understanding of all the nuances than the average white person does uh the average white person that likes to think that they truly understand who black people are because they get a black friend or a black coworker or they listen to jay-z um so that that is the bulk of a lot of white people right but that that that, that said not a lot of those people are like cold-hearted or mean-spirited. They just they just think they know and they really don't. Um, but a lot of a, a lot of those people are ignorant to racism and white privilege, and they don't understand. Um, so couple that with what happened in Charlottesville about three or four years ago, and um, the uptick of racial um, uh, dissent and the uptick in white nationalism and white supremacy. Uh, it got to the point where I started to see on social media um, in ways I never felt before, just this, 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 this growing tension and anger, which brought us to where we are right now. So I created Crack about three years ago, and then I shot it about two and a half years ago. And we've been shopping it and talking at different studios. And we finally were right before the pandemic started about to close in on a deal with, with one major company. And then the world got shut down, right? So I decided to take the 30-minute proof of concept story I had and uploaded it to um, Amazon Prime and to iTunes through an aggregator, which is basically another word for a distributor. And that takes about 60 days. So what happened was, um, as we we're getting it ready to go through the process of aggregation and being approved for all these different steps before finally landing on those platforms, we said, let's just drop a trailer just to let the world know what's coming in about 60 days. Just to, like any other promotion, an album, a, a book, a movie, a TV series, you just got to let the world know it's coming through a series of different, you know, drops. Lo and behold, within 24 hours, that 90 second clip went around the world. I mean, I know it would be controversial because of, of and it's meant to be, but I had no idea it was going to create the, the international furor that it did. I mean, it was out of this world. Um, and so, uh, so, so what got me to create it was my annoyance of continued racism that a lot of white people denied even existed. And sure enough, what did just that 90 second proof of concept trailer prove? It proves that racism is alive and well, 
thriving. So um, that's what kind of got me. It, that it is. And how many places did you have to shop it to? And what were what was the pushback? Because the concept is, I mean, I mentioned the man in the high castle. It's very similar. So what was the pushback that people were giving you? So actually, so it, it, it's kind of the, one of the, the most unique situations because on one hand, everybody in the business lost their mind in, in, in a great way. They were like, this is, un I'm talking movie executives, studio executives, um, uh, uh, major recording artists, everybody lost their minds. Like, this is absolutely stunning. And we, we got down, we would go down the road. We actually got some offers, but some of the offers were just ridiculously negative. And you, you don't get to a point in your life where you create something that you know is, 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 is worth its weight in gold just to give it away because somebody feels like they can take it from you. Uh, we're in the we're in the world now where you can actually um, hold out, release yourself, own the masters, and still be able to do very very well without giving it up and let somebody else um, manipulate it for the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years. So um, we have had some offers. Um, those offers I turned down, and then when it got to other companies, and I won't I won't say their names, some companies were like, "This is amazing," but we felt like it was because it was the the, it was the reverse racism in it that white people were being made out to be the uh, the enemy in this. That that might that might have been the final pushback. No one ever went on record and said, "Well, no, because you make white people look bad. That's we can't do this." So um, it was some of the elites in Black Hollywood that started to reach out to me and said, "This is incredible, Dale. How can we get this to?" I mean, I'm talking Monkey Paw. I'm talking some of the. I mean, Jordan Peele's company. Um, uh, John Legend's company, um, and but you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff in this game. If you're not familiar with the game, that uh, that that doesn't get spoken on, and there's a lot of different. The devil's in the details, so, so to speak. So let's just mm -hmm. say this: um, now that uh, we've dropped that 90 second trailer and it went around the world, we now have two offers we're looking at. Um, one's a major platform, and one is a major network that will allow me to do it on a level that is on the same level as Man on the High Castle, Game of Thrones, Vikings, and Out Outlander is a really good description too. Have you seen, have you seen Out Outlander? Yeah. Outlander is a really good uh, 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 comparable to how uh, Krakow would be done. Um, but yeah, so um, uh, by and large, the industry loves it. But of course, um, if you're a majorly traded public company, you may be a little bit reluctant to say, yeah, we're producing this show uh, but I'm a big believer in, um, in moving forward and proving people wrong, as I've always been my whole, my whole career. So. And, and, and you had controversial type, you know, films before. I think just given the times right now that people were looking at this and it was shot so well, um, you know, they're like, whoa, this is going to be amazing. But let's talk about the power of Hollywood, too, because... I remember, and I'm just throwing this out here so you can understand, like, let's talk deep, right? As deep as we can go. Where I've seen the first Batman versus Superman, and it looked better than anything Hollywood put out. And they right. stopped those guys in L.A. with the cease and desist, and they were like, you can't shoot this. And I've seen right. the same thing with Star Wars, and that took over $100,000 to do. And I'm talking over a decade ago, people. You know, I'm yeah. maybe I might be talking about two decades. I don't want to date myself right. too much, right? right. But... 
Um, do you ever fear and worry about Hollywood coming in? They might come with a big check, say, yeah, we want this, but then try to put it on the shelf or somehow, you know, stop it. I mean, uh, you can only cover yourself in so many ways when it comes to contracts and, and, and lawyers. I've been around long enough to know that, I mean, no contract is, is ever uh, um, problem free. If somebody really wants to do something, they can. Uh, but for the most part, um, I believe in today's, I mean, in today's specific time and place in tech, it, it's, it's a lot different than it was 10, 20 years ago. Um, and I believe that uh, I always knew that Kraka would be appealing to, if not the major two or three platforms and networks, the fledging ones with all the new money that are looking to get the eyeballs and the data from the, from the big guys, a show like Kraka will certainly command its, its, uh, its, its space um, uh, in a very, very big way. So uh, I, I didn't fear ever lacking an audience or a platform for this. So um, I, and with that, I don't feel that there's ever going to be a desire to let's go make this and then shelve it. It's just the, the demand, the demand is, is there. And there's certainly going, there's, there's more than a number of new networks and platforms that are coming out that need to get an audience base and a show like Cracker will certainly command a large audience. Definitely. And I know with representing influencers, influencers would love to have this and say, can we show it first? You know, as so it's already complete. You're all you need to do is just have a release date. Is there an official release date? You know, give or take. Oh, I mean, so, how long do we so, have to wait? So let's so actually so so let me actually um, frame it like this. Um, when I came up with the concept to do a show called Cracker, at first it was going to be called Enslaved, and then it was going to be called something else. And then, and then, and then, this, and then Trump, and then racism and white supremacy and all this stuff started to get louder and louder and louder and bigger and bigger and bigger. And no one was really calling it what it was. I said, no, this can't be called anything, but it needs to have a very loud sounding divisive name. And of course, I first heard the word Cracker back in 1987 in a, in a jail cell in Orange County, uh, Florida. So, um, if anybody knows the origins of the word cracker and, and, know, and knows its intent and knows when you say it a certain way, like it, it has that impact, right? So um, knowing that the word cracker meant so much, I, I, I just knew going into this that um, there was just no way that I was going to not make this. So I decided to call it cracker and we shot, imagine trying to shop a script called cracker. Like anybody knows trying to shop anything in Hollywood, a script is trying to get anything done, made is nearly impossible nowadays, if not more than ever. So let alone a script called Cracker, like it wouldn't even get, it wouldn't even get, the page wouldn't get turned. So, but when people hear the pitch and people finally see, and people see how you said like, whoa, this is, wow. It's that reaction that everybody has. And I'm sure you've seen many of the reaction videos that are on YouTube. I mean, they're pretty phenomenal. These kids, the way they, the way, they portray, the, the way they react to it when they see it. So um, I decided to go and shoot a 30 minute pilot or proof of concept that would show the studios and the platforms and networks saying, hey, this is what this first season would look like. And um, sure enough, it, it, it did that job. So as we're actually, we're getting close to, and I don't wanna say the, the, the two companies names, uh, but right, before the pandemic started, we were close to doing one company's based in Atlanta, one's based in LA, two big names in Hollywood that everybody's heard of. Um, 
but I don't see the name. So the, the pandemic started. And then at that point in time, everything gets shut down. Remember, back in March, it was sort of the great unknown of what's going to happen and, and everything from living life to going to the grocery store to what you're going to watch on TV. But I knew this much. I knew that everyone's going to be at home for at least the next six months. So let me get it up and out there. So I said, let me take this proof of concept, which I shot, and put that out there and let that speak for itself. So I have a 30-minute pilot, what they refer to as a backdoor pilot, that can be the pilot that we will pick up from once we have a deal in place, once we drop that. But what's happening now is over the next 10, 12 days, I expect to be signing my name to um, a deal that lets me do Kraka on the level of the shows you talked about that will get me a whole new cast and get me um, uh, the, the production value that I, I, I want to have. Uh, for this to be on, again, comparing it to Game of Thrones and Man on the High Castle and Outlander, uh, Vikings, uh, Banshee, all these amazing TV shows. So um, the show's completed, the 30-minute pilot, and that will be dropped in 30 to 45 days on iTunes and Amazon Prime if I don't sign a deal that lets me do it in the much more grandiose way that I want to do it. And the, the beautiful part of what the technology is right now, you were talking about an aggregator. I, I have friends that that's what they do right in Atlanta, but I put my own film on Amazon Prime without, and not that it did huge numbers, but for me, it's let me get the art out, right? Yeah. I just need to pu push things out because they can come to you later. And, you know, I, I think that even if you put out whatever you have, I mean, the, the buzz, people are, it's, I mean, cult classics, someone's going to be calling you saying, hey, what do we need? Um, are you familiar with the um, East West Bank out of Asia, out of China? I, yeah, I'm so familiar with it. They, they hit me up like every year and they'll say, what do you have for us, right? Not because I have anything great, but right. because I lived in Seattle. And right. they're like, we're the biggest financiers in Asia. And they want to do more business here. So, but you just got to, the deal has to be right, as you of had course, mentioned you know, earlier. And, but I think from Asia to, to Africa, somebody wants their hands on this. And the crowd might even crowdfund it for you if you say, hey, these folks don't want to play ball. They want me to water it down. And the crowd, I mean, this is one of those films if you guys go check out the trailer that you're going to say i want more right now right. as soon as i saw it I'm, I'm doing my best pr consultant search on dale yo i gotta i gotta see this i have right. to see thank you thank you thank you thank you yeah i appreciate that very much and, and if nothing else when things do open up i don't think it'll be an open open in January enough for the NATPE, but that's a conference that I love. So if it doesn't, I want you to tell me so I can go bother everybody. Um, my my Spanish-speaking friends in, in Miami, you know, even if we got to put it in Spanish, but the concept yeah. stays the same. Sometimes America does, I mean, we want to be, you know. Well, it, it's interesting, uh, Hakeem uh, uh, Chasm, who plays Dex, who plays the... Uh, bad the bad guy um the lead bad guy in Krakow he's he's been in everything from Pirates of the Caribbean to to um to Troy to many other massive tv shows and films around the world he's from Nigeria lives in London and he's and he said you know Dale this as big as you think it's going to be as big in the U.S. it'll be bigger in Africa and I know that this is a global this is a global show for real and uh America is not the only country dealing with racism um, or uh, that was slavery, but this is the first time I'm attacking in a way which really has seemed to ignite um, um, 
uh, a fury, but in, in, in the best kind of way, because uh, it needs to be touched on. Too many, far too many um, Caucasians feel like there's no racism or they feel like it's an overblown thing or, you know, a lot of ridiculous conspiracy theories out there. So I'm just glad to finally be able to, 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 to make some art that provokes thought. And I'm basically using science fiction and time travel as a Trojan horse uh, for people to see racism in, in a new way. And I don't think I have seen anything hit. Like I put it in the likes of Hamilton because Hamilton took, you know, an all like black and brown cast and put these folks who owned slaves, but folks will watch it and just, you know, and it's a beautiful time, whatnot. Yeah. And you peek in something that, I mean, people might've thought about it in the barbershops, but no one's put it out there like, like you put it out there. And, and it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. I love to see art like that. How taxing is it mentally to create things like this? Like, is this, yeah, what do you do in the process of creating and then like trying to let it all go? Um, no, I mean, um, I mean, everybody's got their own creative process, no matter what form, form of art that you do, everyone's got their own, way of creating and, 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 um, and, and, and getting it out there. Uh, unfortunately, film requires a whole lot more hands. It's not like I'm taking a piece of clay and I'm, I, I've got my own wheel and I can just mold it myself or I'm just don't, I just don't have, I'm not a rapper or a rocker. I can just take my iPhone and, and record some beats or some lyrics into a phone. Unfortunately, you know, to do what I do at the level I've done it, uh, you need lighting, crew, cast. So it's not like I just, I, I have an idea today and I'm going to go make it tomorrow. Uh, I mean, in today's under 25 world of content creators, which back in my day, we weren't content creators, we were writer directors. And I approach it from the way I came up. I don't just grab an iPhone and a GoPro and, and, and a backpack and, and, and go out on the road in my Jeep and go make a movie. It's just, it's not, it's not the way I do things. Um, so, but when I'm on set and I'm seeing those lyrics come to life and I'm seeing those actors act their ass off and, and that, that's the sort of, that's the uh, orgasmic moment, so to speak, if you will. It's when I'm on set in that time. It's not all the prelude to or leading up to or the, or, 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 or the editing. It's, it's in that moment when it's all come together is when it feels like that's, like, that's the release. And, and the way that, you know, we're used to things being created. It, it took so much of a team and you had to have, you know, some money. And I guess, you know, now kids are like, I don't want to wait for any approval. Heck, they don't even want you to disagree with them because Google might prove that you're wrong or right in some, you know, form. What is your, your thoughts on how, you know, folks are just picking up a camera, putting it out there and, you know, millions of people are checking it out? I mean, um, it's sort of a, I mean, I, I've mentored many, 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 many young music video directors, editors, producers, some that are doing Ariana Grande, Cardi B, uh, uh, Meek Mill. I mean, I've mentored so many kids, girls, guys that in one, in one form or another on my sets. And um, uh, they all understand that when they come work with me, uh, or for me on sets doing whatever job they're being tasked to do, they come and do so because they know that Dale or Rage, his, his ceiling is, is, is way, way up here. And they understand, the smart ones understand that their ceiling is way, way down here because they don't got the, the backdoor relationships. They don't got the, 
they don't get the uh, discography or the relationships of the network. So um, how these kids do it, and I often, I, I got to remind them because some just are so, uh, you know, the, the term ignorance is bliss. Well, you know, some of them are just so ignorant to what they don't know. I got to remind them. I said, listen, just as easy as, as it is for you right now to go to Best Buy, get a camera, get a laptop, get a light. You're a director now. You're George Lucas and Steven Spielberg and J.J. Abrams all rolled into one. Spike Lee rolled into one. Um, so isn't about 10 million other kids that can go do the same thing. So you can go make your own content, put it out on YouTube, but how do you, how do you then become the new voice? Now, where in my day, you just couldn't go grab a camera and go shoot something. You needed light, you needed to film, you needed, you needed a whole lot of stuff to make something happen. And a lot of my peers, like Martin Algren, who just got nominated for an Emmy for Plot Against America, or um, uh, Billy Porter, who was in my first movie called Colors of Rage, is nominated for an Emmy for, for Pose. Like, I've got so many relationships from people I came up with the hard way um, I try to just instill that hard way, even though it's like the old way, but it's still the way that has allowed me to help put myself in a position where they, meaning they, all the young, young guns, now have a doorway to the top. Because if, if not for people like myself, they're just going what they, what they can learn on, on an iPhone. And that will only just take you to, um, it'll not only just take you so far, but it'll just take you to um, so many other places that will limit you to, you know, the, the ceiling that you're in that you don't know that you have. So um, I just like to instill like the way I came up with and in a way that lets them understand that they don't have to have a ceiling if they approach it the right way. Okay. And, and, and the, the, the hard way, I mean, I sometimes think, are we going to be dinosaurs? Is COVID here like to take out the, you know, just have a shift? But there is a work ethic and also, uh, I think, quality wise, there's, you know, certain times more thought put in to just like, you know, musicians coming in nowadays. I'm going to say whatever I want on the microphone. Nothing written down ever. Very few people can do that and get away yeah. with it, <laughs> you know, and make it sound something yeah. of, 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 of quality. But um, I, I do well, want to say. Know, huh? Go ahead. You know, mediocrity from an audio standpoint and video standpoint, mediocrity is unfortunately the new standard. Uh, it's uh, just because you've got a 4K camera, that means you can just shoot it any way you want, use a wide angle lens, color it, have no idea about lenses, framing. I mean, you saw, I mean, you're obviously an intelligent or informed um, filmmaker or viewer of films because you can see Kraken and realize, okay, this was obviously done so well. I mean, I spoke to an agent and thought it was done for a million dollars. It was done for about a tenth of that. So um, framing and lighting, it's not just getting a camera and, and just putting a, a color correct on it and then and, and putting some new drip sauce app effect for $2.99. So, uh, you know, at some point, these new young kids, they figure it out, the ones that really want to excel forward. But, you know, again, ignorance is bliss. And let them go figure it out on their own. You know, if they if they if they can't if they can't take the time to sit and do a little bit of research on how things were done and should be done. What do you say to um, filmmakers? I'm I'm the biggest like Nigerian movie collector that doesn't sell Nigerian movies, right? And I, I have over 300 films in my collection. And people sometimes say, why do you watch those films or watch, you know, films? And they go, bing, 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 when they're shooting. And it's like, but if that's all that they had as an artist, 
I'm like, I appreciate that at least they've tried because you can only make so much up. But do you ever do you have any films like that in your catalog to kind of explain to the um, you know the novice viewer who just is a consumer to say, wait, we didn't have the hundred thousand dollar you know machine to make it look like Arnold Schwarzenegger blew something up because you know folks who just watch TV are the most critical, but they don't understand why the old black and white Twilight Zones are actually very well put together, especially for the time. Well, it's it's funny. I had a conversation with with a with a with a, a a kid. If he was if he was in a film class I was teaching, he'd get an F because this this young kid literally said, "I'm already yeah, 22 years old." Literally said he thought Star Wars was a hack film, and I'm like, "What you just said is cinematically stupid." Like, like what you just said. Well, you know the he tried to give some over philosophized reason. I'm like, "Shut up! What are you talking about?" These kids just, they're overly opinionated and they've got this much life experience and this much, less than this much success. And they want to sit and criticize films that have come before them, which literally laid the groundwork for everything being done today. So when you say something what I call cinematically stupid, you just need to, to go away. So, um, uh, I, I mean, music videos, uh, but when it, comes to, if, when it comes to my films, I mean, my music videos, because it was always rooted in classic cinematography and lighting and framing and just knowing what you're doing with, 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 with um, the subjects um, and the mood, uh, no matter what happens in tech be between uh, over, the, over the last 30 years and the next 30 years, um, and you look at the Marvel films, I just saw the new DC trailer for Suicide Squad 2, it still comes down to lighting and framing and mood and whatever the tricks are, the tricks are. Because the tricks are always gonna to continue to evolve and change. You're like, well, how can anything get more complicated or visually stunning than like Endgame or like, you know, The Last Star Wars or Avatar? Like, we continue to evolve. And it's the storytelling and it's the, it's the mood and the energy that you get from your actors, from your cinematography, from your camera movement, which will always be the truth teller in someone's ability as a filmmaker. Because um, you can only rely on the gags and the tricks so much. Okay. Do you, do you ever uh, spend much time kind of writing out like this is going to be the future of film? And I'm kind of stumbling because when you say Star Wars, when he said it was a bad movie, I remember when my dad took me out. And I saw that at Pleasant Hill, California. That's before, you know, you start taking girls out and, you know, and I sat in the theater and I said, that's the best thing ever. But do you ever think about what are the next steps in film? Like, are they going to have where you can actually hear the actor whisper in your ear if you're a woman or you can actually feel it? Like, do you see the future of film and, and spend much time on, you know, thinking about what's to come? Well, um, uh, not so much. I mean, it's funny because in what even in the fifties they used to have those experience movie theaters where the the seats would shake and some theaters would have smog and, and smell. So you know that's more of a of a of a boutique uh, theatrical experience because it's sort of more you know and you're more in the presence of of what's happening um, in in a in a room designed to to make you feel certain things. I feel it's more going to be, unfortunately, COVID has forced um, films and uh, uh, release dates happening more inside your own home in the home theater experience than in the actual tried into longstanding 
actual movie theater experience. So I think it's going to be more along those lines. Um, the the home theatrical experience with, I mean, with with sound being what it's already being in terms of like five five one or ten one or eight one or or those sound bars uh, and and the growing the growing tech in audio. And I, I know some friends at THX, know some friends at JBL that are, are, are super teched out when it comes to all that stuff. I really, th- I really feel it's going to be something that um, in the future was still going to be done in your own home. Um, I feel like there could be something happening with, you know, 3D technology still. I, I know it's been around forever, but I still think we're in the infancy stages of that stuff. Perhaps VR, the VR storytelling experiment has already bombed a few times because it's really hard to tell a story of VR because you only have that one perspective and it's sort of a gag. Um, I know some people have been trying to make inroads in that. I know some people that are working in that, but by and large, it's, it's not happened. And even though there's all this tech out there, the demand for that kind of story is just not there. I mean, can, can it live in you know, video gaming and, and things like that? Uh, sure, but in actual storytelling, it's really hard to see where tech is going to go, uh, which is why I think why I made the reference from whether it's um, the old, you know, black and white days to where we to to Bridget to Star Wars in the in the late seventies to where we are now with the DC and Marvel films. It's still still storytelling. It's still you know action drama. It's still you know comedy. It's still uh, noir, it's still all those things that we've come, come up with. And if, if these kids that play all these video games and, and learn life from listening to Drake and, and Migos, and, and um, it's like they're still entertained by the cinematic experience, and the cinematic experience can best be described by lighting, lighting and framing and action and, and dealing with actors. So again, for all the tricks and all the, all the tech, that those gags are going to come and go, but the story is still going to be around. Okay. Okay. And, and let's go back around. Um, you know, we talked about, you know, race and you're from Boston. I've lived in Springfield, Massachusetts. Actually, I got married, my wife and I, in oh, Springfield, beautiful. Massachusetts. Nice. And in Boston, I mean, racism was, you know, alive and well, especially I'm like, hey, take me to Southie, right? Because I'm a big mafia like story. You, know, you can't go to Southie. Kellen go anywhere he wants to go. I'm from right. Oakland, California. I'm going to Southie and never had a problem. Right. But, but also when you go over to the California side and you were talking about, you know, doing jail time, um, and California especially is known for no matter who you are, you got to pick sides, you know, after you get out of county, uh, especially. Um, this type of film that you're making can, I mean, the powers that be don't want people to see this because this will change people's minds. And not that folks don't know reality in prison. And I know you said jail time, not prison. But could you? No, imagine I, 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 I've, I've done. I've done. I've, I've done both, state and federal, right? And and the feds is different than state. But yeah. how does a guy like you pick? Because you're like, I know this this culture, and I know this culture as well, and I'm accepted over here. How do you go inside and pick and being then putting yourself back into that place of if they showed my film inside the feds or inside the state penitentiary, what would happen if we unify? Like, do you, do those, do you think about those things? Um, I, I don't think I don't think about ramifications so much. I don't you know, I, I've been one to live life without regret. And when I decide I'm actually going to do something, I've already put a lot of thought into it. 
And when, when someone and any, anyone decides to make a show called Cracker, you're, you're not thinking about ramifications because you, you're just not. And with all the hate mail and death threats I've received and voicemails I've received, I give two fucks about all that crap. That people post my address online, my telephone number online, two fucks about that shit, really. Okay. And, and in doing the, the state and the federal time, how, I just want to, for somebody who's never experienced that part of life, and I don't want y'all to if you have it, right? But some of us have took some chances to make it happen. Um, and we kept our mouth shut, unlike the rappers nowadays. Um, how do you pick sides in, you know, finding I belong here? Or, or do you just kind of renegade it? When, when I've, I've been reading about my whole life. I, I've got, I, I, for as many times as I've been locked up and arrested, I've got no jailhouse tats, none. Okay. And I've never, I've always just been my own, my own, my own renegade. I've, I've never had to, uh, and I guess it's just the way you carry yourself or how you handle yourself or what you mm -hmm. put out, but I've never had to um, pick a side. Okay. Now that, that's awesome. That's a book and a movie in itself. Yeah. With, with, with all your success that you've had, what are what is a community give back that you're doing or that you want to do in the future? Uh, you know what? I mean, there is so much wrong in America, so much wrong in this world. I, I mean, I, you look at someone like the Gates who just donate so much money to all these different causes. There's just, they're just, it's hard to even start. I, I, I will actually have to give her that answer when I'm in that position because to think about, but it's not to talk about what I want to try to help and fix. Now, at this point, it's, it's, that could change over the next five, 10 years. But obviously, I think, um, you know, our system of justice on every level, the economic disparities on every level, there's just so much, there's so much wrong. If I say one thing, it, it'll, lead me, it'll lead me down a trail of something else. If we can go down a rabbit hole of what needs to be fixed, and it, it, it'll be another whole hour conversation. Um, so, uh, but let's just say that there's a lot wrong in this country, um, racially, economically, and a lot needs to be uh, done. I believe reparations should be made. Um, uh, there's a lot of that conversation happening. And, and um, you know, one of the things I talk about quite a bit when I, when I deal with some of these, um, you know, very conservative, uh, if not out, outright white supremacist types, um, the, the ignorant um, white people that want to talk about this is America, this is our country. I said, no, 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 guys, let's take it back to when white man came across the sea, brought his pain and misery. And, you know, we just, we just decimated an entire culture of, of, of a civilization and we took it, we raped it, we pillaged it, we, we looted it and we stole it. So um, there's no white moral high ground when it comes to um, who owes what and who determines how much um, in this country. So um, I believe that reparations should be made because America was built largely off the backs of uh, slaves. Um, and that is the conversation that, that needs to happen at some point. So I think before we, we can actually go into the conversation about like what I would like to do, I think that conversation needs to be had. That actually, fuck the conversation, that act needs to be, that policy needs to be enacted I think first and foremost, and that'll help cure a lot of what's wrong with today. And no matter how much it'll piss off white people, well, I didn't, my parents didn't own slaves and, 
And this happened long before me. But the fact of the matter is, what happened long before you, and even if it wasn't your parents or grandparents, somebody else's white grandparents did own slaves, and they did do this. And as a result, we are right here right now because of that. So, um, yeah, I know that was kind of a big answer. Well, maybe your give back then is in your films and even, you know, next uh, reparation series, what would happen if reparations were given yeah. um, and, and a whole thing like that? Because when you, we talk about the, the wrongs, we can find that other communities can get reparations, but they don't want to do it. And it goes into a big thing of, you know, everybody, even women will say, hey, but we want some, you know, reparations for the times that we had to do this, this and this. But um, and, and I don't think I think in this world, there's some real brilliant people who have created some systems to say we could help. But for my next question, Richard Pryor said this best before I was even born to kind of get to that position where you can make that change. You kind of have to be that person and you and I probably aren't those people who I've interned and work with politicians. They're not going to want to deal with us too long because our ideas are so radical. So we need to find our own kind of um, communities and yeah. great authors like Seth Godwin have talked about tribes and you finding your tribe. Um, George Carlin. I don't know if you're a fan. Of course. I'm a, of course. Yeah. He's amazing. Yeah. I'm a fan when I'm, I'm listening as a kid and he's like, you know, the government's bought and paid for and, you know, talking about pay-per-view criminals in these, you know, states that no one really cares about. Like, I'm like, why not? It could yeah. hurt, you know, but that that's me thinking outside the box. So I think that in your filmmaking, that's a give back. And then yeah. the mentoring you were talking about, because it doesn't always have to be you starting a program or you giving money. It can just be having, I mean, you could be killed for these type of films and ideas. Yeah. yeah. You know, so that that's a give back. So with that, folks, I don't want to give a game overload. I thank Dale for coming on here. Um, you know, I, if they don't take the film deal, let me know. I'll be a, a, a loud voice at the next NATPE or MIP saying, why didn't you guys capture this? It, it's local if you if you guys don't give him a healthy sum of money because right. it, it is great what you're doing. So I thank you. I appreciate it very much. Thank you for having me and thank you for the conversation. Thanks for getting in the game and listening to the Diversified Game Podcast with Kellen, the number one show pairing entrepreneurship with diverse and inclusive perspectives like wine and cheese, bagel and locks, fish and grits. Be sure to visit DiversifiedGame.com for all the good stuff. Join in the conversation and discover more content.